This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Everything you ever wanted to know about house cleaning, this book is titled The Single Man's House Cleaning Playbook. A quick and simple guide to cleaning your home like a pro. Our author, who is the expert on cleaning homes and cleaning his own place, Sidney Showalter, joins me from Florida. Welcome, Sid, to the program. Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. Why in the world did you become an expert at cleaning your house? Most guys just want to walk through a pile of rubble and uh, be content. Well, that's funny you ask me. It's what people always ask. Whenever they uh, hear the title, they always laugh because they want to know why I did it. Uh, Basically, I had a house cleaner, and she broke her arm. And so I was going to be without six weeks without anybody to clean it, and she was so good that I decided I'd try to keep her so I would do the job myself. So uh, one Saturday morning, I got up and got out of bed and got started, and uh, after about 10 minutes, I realized I didn't know what order to do it in or anything (laughs) else, and I kept doing this job over and over again. So uh, after uh, I got through the bedroom, I went to the bathroom, and when I was in there, I got to laughing at myself. I said, this would probably make a good book because it's got all the screw-ups in it and everything. And uh, there's, if I'm having troubles with it, there's got to be a lot of other people, too, men and women. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try to write a book and see how that goes. And so that's how it happened. The cover of your book, you have a lot of cleaning supplies on a football field. You have used the analogy of football and a playbook in writing your book. Could that be the best way to describe it? Uh, that's what I tried to pattern it after. I got to thinking of different ways to present it, and I called it a Bible, and my cousin said, no, you don't want to call it a Bible. And she said, well, you ought to make it single person. I said, well, nobody will read that, but if they get it a uh, single man, they're going to wonder what the heck he knows about it. So that's uh, how I got there. And, and uh, as I was writing the book, I was at uh, Naples Ale House, and the uh, manager of the restaurant came walking by with the... Uh, waiter's playbook. I said, let me see that thing. So I took a look at that, and then when I finally decided to do that, I went to Dave uh, Tanner, who was a football coach, and followed his playbook. So it gave me an idea of what to do. And I thought, well, that's the best play because to play football or play any sports or do anything, you got to know what to do, how to do it, what to do it with, and when to do it. And so I thought, that'll fit as a playbook. So that's how I I got things started, and here I am. I'm not sure whether you actually did a descriptive of your own residence or perhaps something out of your imagination. Your office is described like this. First, I spy a cobweb in the corner. As usual, there are papers all over the desk. The waste paper basket is full. Books are on the floor, and a jock strap is hanging from the floor lamp next to the door. That's very descriptive. Was that an actual description or your imagination at work? It was a slight description. <laughs> uh, the, the jock jock strap never makes it to the office. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, 
my hardest thing to accomplish was to write about something as boring as house cleaning and try to make it funny and light and then also so people could understand it. And so that was what my objective was. And you know what's funny is I gave one to my uh, my lawn man who's uh, Mexican. He, I don't know how good English he speaks, but I gave him the book. And the other day he was out there, or I, I came home and he was cutting the grass and he stopped the car, uh, his is more and he says thanks for giving me the book <laughs> i said did you understand it and he said i did he said i can really use it my wife died a couple of years ago and i have to clean the house and it is really helping me and i said you really liked it he said yeah it's really funny too so i thought that you know if that goes through a translation then you know that it uh it, it is accomplishing what i wanted to you have a broad appeal then from what you've described Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Anybody that I've mentioned the name, the title of Single Man's House Cleaning Playbook, they laugh, and they wonder what it's all about and everything. And, uh, you know, they'll ask me questions about it. So there's a lot of interest in it. It's just a matter of getting somebody to pick it up and read it for a little bit and see what it is. You've, you've uh, managed to pen 110 pages, so you have a lot of tips in here. Anything that you discovered that is not an off-the-shelf product that seems to work well in a cleaning situation? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Uh, one, there's uh, something called, and this is used a lot, but I call it VDW, and it's vinegar, dawn, and water. It's uh, like a cup of vinegar to a gallon and uh, squirt of dawn and some water, some VDW. You can use that on a lot of different things. A lot of people use that. That's then uh, I got my whole house. I re- had all of my carpet removed, and I've got tile. Mm-hmm. And I was using a regular sweeper for a while. And I said, this is ridiculous. And I went, I remembered my shop vac in the garage. So I went and got the shop vac and started cleaning my uh, floor with the shop vac. And I I went to uh, a uh, store where they where they repair vacuum cleaners, and I got a wider uh, room on it there. And so if that gets four inches from the, any dirt or anything else, it sucks it right up. And if you suck the sock up or something like that, it's okay because the shop pack just takes it all in and throws it in the bottom of the, uh, the tank there. So I use that. And then um, I was having, I, I, having been in the Navy, I remembered a big old swabby mop there. And I used it a couple times and I knocked the bucket over and I said, this is ridiculous. And I've got a friend who uh, sells commercial uh, cleaning supplies. He says, you need a Cuban rag mop. And I said, what the heck is a Cuban rag mop? Mm-hmm. He says, it's got a long pole on it. Have you ever heard of it? Not heard of it. Okay. It's got a long pole on it, like a handle, and then it's got a stick that screws in at the bottom. And you just throw a towel down on the ground and you push that around. And it cleans easier, better than anything I've ever seen. And then anybody I know that has one, they say they love it. And the greatest thing is, it's easy to to ring out. All you got to do is take it and put it in the sink or whatever. And I've got a secret weapon as far as uh, the water goes. And that is, uh, you know, instead of carrying a bucket all over the house, uh, I found that you clean the toilet and clean it good, you can use that as your bucket. And if it... Uh, if, when it gets dirty, all you got to do is flush it down and load it up again with a little VDW, and you're ready to go. Interesting. What did you discover about yeah. marble cleaning? Because a lot of new homes and upgrades 
are using marble as a uh, as a natural alternative to most countertops. That's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, the biggest problem is you don't want to use anything that's acidic, like uh, vinegar or anything like that. And uh, most of the time, it's used plain water. And uh, if you've got something you've got to clean up, clean it up real quick with whatever you clean it with. I use 409 and then just wipe it up right away and rinse it off. But if you use anything else, you should not let it sit on there and uh, immediately rinse it and dry it and everything. So I just recommend plain water. But you can go to uh, stores and they have products that you can clean the, the marble with. Luckily, I don't have any marbles, so I don't have to worry about it. That, that's that's a, a problem with that. Sid, once the inspiration hit you, how long did it take to complete your 110 pages of house cleaning playbook? Well, my house cleaner broke her arm back in about 2001 or 2002. And so I started it, and I would work on it, and I didn't work on it. So last summer, I finally decided, since I was retired, that I would... Uh, finish it up so I started worked hard from last summer on and finally got it uh, published in uh, May 27th 2014 well congratulations do you uh, go with the idea of start at the top and work your way to the bottom or how do you or do you have a specific uh, program for cleaning your house well that's that's a good logical way because uh, the law of gravity makes a big difference uh, start at the top and work your way down and also start, if you got to do the whole house, start at the farthest end of the house and work yourself backwards to probably your kitchen or someplace like that. And you got to do it in the proper order. You've got to know what to do, how to do it, what to do it with, and when to do it. Because if you don't, you screw up and you, you do the things that mess up your other work. Would you recommend they start with the uh, bathroom areas first and work their way out to the kitchen, or how do you normally start and uh, do a, a cleaning? Well, I normally start, and uh, the farthest points of mine are the my back bedroom. i got a split bedroom and uh, plan, so I'll either start in the back of the master bedroom, or I'll start in the back of the farthest uh, uh other bedroom and work myself back usually back to the um, the kitchen because that that leads out to the garage and that's usually where you exit everything what about fragrances what what about fragrances my wife is allergic to some chemical fragrances do you have anything that uh, might offset that i don't use chemicals the only thing I use chemicals for, if I need it, is in the bathroom when uh, you know you need it in the shower where you get lazy and you don't clean it right away, and uh, I leave a uh, brush by the toilet so if it gets a little dirty I can clean it. So the bathroom would probably be the place where you've got few chemicals. And this, after you get done, close the door and turn the fan on. Let it suck it all out of there. Let it get out. And what about uh, fragrances themselves? Are those something that you encourage people to to maybe use or consider? No, I never thought anything about it. If you got a clean house, it's going to smell good. And I, I never. Some places you go in and they've got some kind of fragrance, and no matter what you have, somebody's not going to like it. So my philosophy is, don't do anything that's going to offend anybody. If I can get away, if I can do it. How'd you introduce your book in a couple of uh, sentences, Sid, to uh, our listeners and get them interested in buying a copy of the Single Man's House Cleaning Playbook? Uh, I'm Sid Showalter, and I just uh, finished this book called The Single Man's House Cleaning Playbook, and it tells you how to clean your house real quickly and efficiently, and it's got 
a lot of got some jokes in it and some trivia and other things which um, keeps it light. But it's uh, a pretty concise book. And in the back of it, it's got the playbook. Once you get all done, well, you all you got to do is refer back to that, and that tells you everything of what you need to do, when to do it, how to do it, and what to do it with. And then in the back of the book, it's got uh, four plays for important occasions like uh, your bi-weekly cleanup, uh, your, uh, that, that's a half back up the middle, uh, you've got the full money, which is spring house cleaning, uh, you've got the quarterback sneak, and that's when you, you've learned how to do it, you know how you, you don't have to do everything every time you go, and then last one's the Hail Mary, and that's for uh, when somebody unexpectedly shows up or calls you at the last minute, you don't have time to clean the place up, and you're going to have to read the book to find out what that is. You also have photos of you, I'm assuming that's you, in a football helmet. Is that your photo in the uh, in the book? Well, the front of the book is Naples High School Stadium, and uh, then I got the idea, I've got to have some illustrations in there, so I just put on the football helmet and... Uh, and did that to demonstrate it, and that way they can really see what I'm talking about. All right, readers, listeners, if you want to see a picture of Sid in the shower, it's in his book. I'll leave you with that. How do you get a copy of your book, Sid? Well, there's a few different ways. The best way is authorhouse.com, A-U-T-H-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com, and there you can get it in paperback, hardback, or iPad or whatever. Sure. You can get that from authorhouse.com, Amazon.com, and also barnesandnoble.com. Barnes and Noble, some stores carry it in there, and uh, but you can get it on their website. And about any bookseller, they can get it too. Fabulous. Sid Showalter, or Sidney Showalter as he is titled on the book. The title again is The Single Man's House Cleaning Playbook. A quick and simple guide to cleaning your home like a pro. So, guys, you need to step in and help your spouse with house cleaning. This will give you some great tips. Just don't become a specialist and know more than she does. I don't think that would be wise, but this would be a great book for you to have as well. Thank you, Sid, for joining me today. Yeah, there's two other th- places that it comes in handy. If, uh, when you're graduating from high school or college and kids are going off to, uh, on their own, that would be a good thing, or you can just buy it and leave it on the coffee table. That always has a good conversation with you, Sid. Fabulous. Thank you for joining me today, Sid. Thank you, Jay. Bye. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. 
Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Running Man. Our author, Wesley Don Lawrence, joins me today. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you. This is an extensive read for those who have a lot of time on their hands, maybe. But if it's an action thriller like I think it is, it may go rather quickly. 705 pages. Wesley, tell me the background story. Why did Running Man get published? Well, I I published mainly. Uh, it's um, well, it's a novel. It it, it has uh, you know it's for most uh, for a general audience, and it's uh, based based more on uh, oh, it got some history, but on current events, and it's uh, got uh, about everything in it. A love story, plenty of action, and it, it's fast reading, even though it it's a long book, but. Uh, the, uh, it's quite a few chapters are broken up to make it, you know, so it isn't, you know, get 30 or 40 pages a chapter. So it's quite a few chapters, but it's broken up well. So it should be fairly easy reading, I, I think. I, I, well, you I've read it. you have, have written other books. You have a background in uh, Marines and uh, other other activities, other careers, but authoring has uh, become something that you're fascinated and have uh, latched onto. This book, when you began to write it, how did you come up with a storyline? Was it something that just inspired you from events that you had participated in in your history, or was it a complete inspirational approach? Well, both, really. Past history, and uh, I done uh, travel all over the world in my travels before I retired. And the chief engineer with uh, Fairlines down in New York, and we hit many, many ports throughout the world. And um, you know, it, 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 a lot of experience talking with people, know could converse in a few languages. And it was, uh, it, you know, I was out there for 34 years, so and plus two hitches in the Navy, so I quite a bit of background experience. Running Man is the title. Where did that come from, and what does it represent? Well, Running Man, I, I it's a little bit out there when I when it first starts. Running Man is actually I was into astronomy, and Running Man is a, actually name of a nebula. It's an N, NCG one 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 seventy seven, and I, I just happened to get that. You know, I said I like the uh, like the name Running Man on that nebula, so I. I put that in as a basic for the book, you know, because uh, a lot of people don't. That's more or less explained in the first uh, first couple of chapters, so they know what, what's going on. Is this a contemporary novel, or is it uh, future tense? Well, it's contemporary. Contemporary and takes place where? What is your main uh, main source of the story? Well, the main source, the United States. It does travel, go to Russia, some China. And a few other smaller countries, but mostly it's between the United States, Russia, and uh, and outer Mongolia, and little and about China. Uh, I mean, that's the, where the most of the action takes place. You'd have to have a lot of action to hit all of those different continents and and locations. Do you have uh, any other authors that you enjoy reading? Well, I've read a lot of uh, oh gosh, uh, Dostoevsky and. Uh, I wish I hadn't asked me. I've read a lot of books, and I'm trying to think. 
English author I, I, I liked a lot, and I can't remember his name offhand. Get old, you, you kind of forget certain things. But, but they I, were, I've done a lot of reading in my time. But they were also action thrillers then. That, that uh, genre seems to uh, draw you in. Yes, yes. A lot of action stories and some history, uh, uh, a lot of history, too, uh, background stuff. In Running Man, who, who is your main character, and what is his position in the novel? Well, he's a kind of a nebulous character. Uh, that's how he, he, I, I sat him out with Roman Duvier, is, is one of his uh, code names. And first of all, when he gets back in the United States, it, 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 he has another name. Uh, uh, I use another name for him. And mostly it's uh, based on that, yeah. Uh, as you were writing this, did you have a specific audience in mind? Is it you mentioned that this would be a a good read for general audience? Does that mean that a uh, say a teenager could read this and enjoy the novel, or are there some areas that perhaps they should stay clear of? Well, no, there's, yeah, there's a you know it's a contemporary it's a, it's a love story. It has uh, action and uh, uh, they, I don't know about a. Teenagers, uh, I'd recommend it for, you know, someone 18 above, probably more interested in it than a teenager. And how long did uh, did this take to complete? You, you, I think, mentioned to me in the pre-interview that this was an adaptation of a story you had written a few years ago and had published, but it's a changed story from what you originally had done. Well, the original one was uh, uh, was over 12 years ago. And uh, I had just written a book, uh, Full Soul and the Invitation to a Killing, and that was, which is a short, a short book. It's 200 and something pages, our action novel. And I don't know, I just says, I, I like that novel that I'd written before, and I says, maybe, but again, 12 years ago, a lot of it was out, some of it was out of dated, so I said, I'll re, and I redid the whole, it took about a year work, uh, you know, between uh, doing the book over and working with Arthur House to get the thing out there, it, it took me a uh, it took me about, I'd say about a year. A year of, of uh, was that the re-edit side? Yeah, that's the re-edit, the novel. It took me about a year to, you know, to write, between writing it and getting it published, I'd say it was, you know, doing all the editing after you deal with the publisher. That was a couple of months. I'd say it took me eight, nine months to maybe, oh, ten months to write it and at least two months to, you know, get the thing, get the book out there. Colonel Carl B. is one of your characters, and you mention in one of your chapters that Colonel Carl B. would never forget the day that Heinrich left his office when he asked him to accompany him to a room on the top floor. And on from there is intrigue. Share some of that story. Well, the, uh, the man he's working for, because he was in Russia, and... Uh, he is, this guy is, uh, you talk about Hitler, this guy is basically, uh, he, he's behind the scenes and running the, actually the whole Russian empire. And he picked this uh, Colonel Kalbi, who is uh, one of the top colonels with the uh, with the Russian army, uh, to uh, work on his, uh, set up his security, tighten up his security for him. And though he, he didn't want any part of the job, he, he was kind of forced into it. And then all he liked to do is get back out of the army again. He didn't really uh, go for this uh, Heinrich too much, uh, uh, but uh, he was there. He was stuck there for a while, uh, for quite a while. Most of the book. If you were to introduce this to someone on the street corner that finds out that you are a published author and have written the novel Running Man, 
how would you synopsize your novel to them? Well, I'm telling them it's a, an action thriller. It's uh, it's long. It, it might be it's a big book. Plenty of action in it, and I think the person would would find would find it interesting. Have you received any feedback from individuals who have read your book, and uh, what was that? Well, the feedback uh, one one of my uh, friends just got through uh, gave him a copy reading the book and. Uh, he said it was long, but it kept him going, and uh, it was inter- he said it was very interesting. He said it was different from any type of book he read, uh, so uh, I, which I kind of appreciated. And he, he, I signed and gave him an author, you know, a signed copy for it. He said he's going to pass it around to one of his friends. So that that was uh, one one uh, one person that I know has read it. And he men- know, lo- he mentioned that it was different from others that he had read. What do you think makes it stand apart? We all read the newspapers today, and, and of course, you're right. you you can't get by without all the bad stuff happening in the world. And what? And uh, if you really look behind the scenes and a lot of that, you can see uh, most a lot of these countries. Speaking of which ones, but there's certain people behind the scenes really, uh, really running it. And similar to the Russian Presidium years ago, but mm-hmm. you didn't know they run it, but you really wasn't too sure what was going on and all this you know everything's free you know i'm going to get something more someone has to pay for this free nothing's free for for the hard working guy right and then again you look at the the thing the government says they're always pushing our government ain't the guy that's got any money he should share it with the other guy but you know i can say well gee that that guy that uh you know, that he's making all kinds of money. He should give me part of his money. You know, he's mm-hmm. got too much. So this is the thing making you jealous of anybody's got money. I had a friend say, well, we're going to get, we can get legislation to take them. I said, well, when you start taking money from all the people, you know, the, the people that got, got money, rich people, I said, you're gonna, in, in running industries, they're, they're going to move. They're not going to stay here and give it, give it all away. I says, and a lot of these big industries hate oil. You got to hate the oil companies. Well, there's a lot of people work for these oil companies. Just say you close them down. Well, what's that going to do to the average guy working? It's going to sure. be no. So you can go on and on and on, and that's under that premise that, uh, I, you know, behind the scenes I, I, I looked at when I wrote the book. And there are many people who are mistakenly of the impression that oil industry only fuels vehicles, and that's not true. It's part of the fabric of uh, of the clothing industry. It's part of the carpeting industry. All of those uh, industries are dependent on oil or oil byproducts. So there's a lot larger picture than most people realize. There must have been some challenges in writing a book of 700 pages. What were those, and how did you overcome them, Wes? Well, you know, you you write a format, you know, a basic idea of how it's going to go, and uh, you, you know, when I wrote the book, I knew basically what I wanted to write, and the thing is to to get it to flow evenly. That's the big, you know, so that it keeps it going chapter by chapter, so I don't have to guess what you know what to get, what you're talking about because he's. Read ahead, he don't have to read ahead more or less to see what's going to happen because each chapter you want to makes you want to go to the next chapter. So it, it, that I, I work on that part is a big thing in writing. And, uh, 
I learned that I took back in, oh, when I was going to see back in the 70s, I guess, I, I took that course at famous writer's school, Westport, Connecticut. Yes. And what they did, you, you, you tried, they gave you different things to write, and you'd send, they had professional editors, but read it. And one was comedy. I had to write something. So I, I wrote a scene I saw in the neighborhood. I thought it was funny. And the woman wrote back, she said, well, whatever you write, don't write comedy. Because <laughs> what's funny to you is not funny to everybody. And Which I wouldn't write comedy anyways. But it was, it was a good course because it, 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 it you know, showed you your mistakes and a lot of things. So that's a long going course. But I took that while I was going to see and I had a, had a good good time with it. Listeners, if you love action thrillers, if you love love stories, if you enjoy love stories, travel, all of the elements that make up a great story, then you will enjoy Running Man, author Wesley Don Lawrence. Wesley, where can my listeners get a copy of your book? Well, I'm, I, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it through uh, Author's House. They're, they're doing the, But you can get it right online through... Uh, in fact, all my books are on uh, on Amazon. Probably I even checked some of the other sites, but Amazon has a write-up of, of my books and you know all the books I've written, and uh, except one which I wrote for had published in England, and I never did. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it got published under another. It got hijacked under another name, and Oops. I never did get any recognition for it. You can't even find it anymore. It's, it's about the uh, World War. It's about Korean War, which I was out there in. Uh, it's about uh, F-9 Panthers, the carrier action over over Korea. And I wrote, it was under, the name was Break Right, and uh, it was a good book. Well, I did the, I worked with another fellow, and I did the uh, information, the pats on the, uh, the uh, you know, the combat action and all that. Unfortunately, he went, he went to England, and I, he took it, and I never saw it again. So mm-hmm. that one... Uh, that one's out. That one's out. Are you working on something else, Wesley? Not at the moment. I'm doing mostly computer work right now. But... Incredible. Well, let me just say this. Listeners, do a search under Running Man or under the author Wesley Don Lawrence, and his other novels will also pop up. Thank you, Wesley, for joining me today and sharing the background story into the writing and completion of Running Man. Well, thank you. For Author Talk, this is Jay. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. 
The title of the book, The Life and Times of Bertie May Hayes, Friends Forever. And the author is Jerry Ann Agee. And Jerry Ann joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Jerry Ann. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, give us a little overview of this great children's book, The Life and Times of Bertie May Hayes. What's, what's your theme? Um, well, actually, it's the first in a series. And um, so The Life and Times of Bertie May Hayes is sort of the, the series, uh, all, you know, sort of all-encompassing. And then Friends Forever is the first. So the first book really just is an introduction to Bertie May and her best friend, Sally Rose Hope. And it's, you know, introduces her family and it's her first day of third grade and sort of the adventures that they get into in third grade. And uh, Bertie May has, has a uh, sort of sense that is uh, usually correct that something bad is going to happen at some point that day and she's always right so she gets that the first day of school and so you just kind of have to read to see what happens but she's right <laughs> where did you get the name Bertie May um, actually that is my nickname that my dad gave to me when I was born and um, he is still calls me that to this day he's the only one that calls me that for now and <laughs> He uh, always said that I looked like a little bird, so that's where he got that, and it just stuck. So she's eight years of age, and they live in a small town in Alabama, a fictional town. Uh, it is a fictional town. Um, there is a Rainbow City, Alabama, and uh, but Rainbow, Alabama is a fictional town, and I grew up in Alabama, so that was kind of close to my heart, so that's why I decided to have it take place there. Um, my grandmother lived in a small town. I grew up in a relatively small town, Huntsville, Alabama. It's not that small anymore by any means, but um, so that, I just felt like that was close close to my heart to write Alabama. So you have some uh, you have some characters, some themes that, as you put it, it touches on something that both children and adults can relate to. Now, what sets your book apart? Well, I mean, I think the main thing that sets it apart. For one, it's based in the South, and it's something that both, like you said, and I'm not sure anyone has written a children's book about someone laughing so hard that they pee in their pants at school. <laughs> but we all know it happens, so right. I think that um, I think that, that children can appreciate the way that it's handled in the book, and I think adults, parents, teachers, anyone else can too because I mean children are children and they think things are funny and it happens and this is a really just sweet way of of bringing that out and showing how it's handled by the teacher the parents the children in the class everyone so tell us about her best friend Sally Rose Hope Sal it's Sally Rose Hope and she um, they've been best friends since they were born they were actually born in the same hospital um, just about, I believe, three minutes apart was the thing. So they don't have the first, they don't have the same birthday, but their birthday is one day apart only by, I think it was three minutes. And so they've lived on the same street all their lives. Sally Rose lives a few houses down and um, it's, you know, like the book says, they're friends forever. And at the end of this book, it sort of sums up that, you know, they will be friends forever. 
So she has this this intuition, this uh, connection with something bad that could could happen. Is the, is the well, it's happened more than once, then, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely, and it will continue to happen as the series um, goes on. And what happens is she gets sort of this really anxious, nervous, sort of almost sick feeling in her stomach. She knows that, oh, great, this is it. I know something bad's going to happen. I'm never wrong. And when that happens on the first day of school, um, she's already nervous, and Sally is already nervous, so she doesn't let Sally know that she has this feeling because she doesn't want to make Sally even more nervous about school. But, um, in fact, she did have the feeling that morning, and, and later, you know, in the afternoon is when the quote-unquote bad thing happens. <laughs> well, there was a couple of scenes that you were going to point out to us that highlights the friendship and uh, family aspect uh, in the book. Uh, tell us about this scene with Bertie May and, and Sally with the uh, bucket of paint water. Sure. It's... um. What happens is, and, and the way I wrote it is, um, you know, one of the one of the things is, you know, deciding whether to write the book as it happened or have Bertie May tell the story after the fact. I ended up going with having, you know, her tell the story after the fact because I felt like it really captured uh, the moment a little better, and and I think it kept the reader's attention because she was able to build up the story and and you know get it to the point where okay and you know this is what happened and so she tells you know everyone that her friend Sally has a really big secret and she thinks everything is funny and you you know maybe you're wondering why is that such a big secret but the secret is she thinks everything is funny that she laughs so hard that she usually ends up peeing in her pants. <laughs> so that's where it came to um, the day, the first day of school. They're in school. They love their teacher, um, super sweet, Miss Flowers. And she, you know, it's everything's gone great. It's after lunch. She thinks maybe this bad feeling wasn't, you know, some, maybe it wasn't right after all. And so after lunch, they're having reading time on in the classroom and where they can spread out and they're sitting on the carpet sort of over in their little corner and they're, they're you know, reading, being quiet, being really, really good. And Bertie May has to sneeze. And of course, her having to sneeze, she says, you know, if she just didn't have to sneeze, none of this would have happened. So she sneezes and this big, Big snot bubble comes out of her mouth. I'm, I'm sorry, out of her nose. <laughs> that would have been really bad. That it comes out of her nose, bad. and yeah. the, uh, of course, Sally thinks that's the funniest thing she's ever seen in her life, and she tries not to laugh. And the more she tries not to, the harder it is to not laugh. And Bertie May says, "And I know, I see the look on her face. I know what's about to happen." And so. Before she knows it, you know, Sally has that look. She knows what's happening. They're sitting on this carpet. And all Bertie May can think to do is how to make this not the most embarrassing time in Sally's life. So she looks around before she knows what she's doing. She picks up this, this big bucket of dirty water where they, you know, rinsed off all their paint brushes. It's kind of this black water. And she just dumps it completely on Sally's head. So Sally's drenched. The carpet's drenched. 
course, it saves Sally. No one has any idea what's just happened. <laughs> and so um, that's, and then Birdie, of course, being Birdie Mae being the friend that she is, won't let anyone know why she did it. So she, you know, <laughs> is also taking, taking the punishment too to protect her friend. Well, that's what friends are all about. That's right. Now, you you call this uh, the next Junie B. Jones with a Southern twist. So, so Junie B. Jones is a series of books that you're familiar with. I am because I've got, I have three children, and so with uh, you know as they have gone through sort of that elementary school age, I would read the Junie B. Jones books to them. Um, when I was growing up, I was, I've been an avid reader since I was probably 10 years old and read all of the, uh, you know, Beverly Cleary, um, the Ramona the Pest books and all that. And so Junie B. Jones was sort of my kid's generation of that. And um, I actually didn't coin sort of that, the next Junie B. Jones with a Southern twist. I was, um, I had a publicist read the book and she said, you know, a great marketing, you know, sort of promo would be to, you know, tout this book as the next Junie B. Jones with a Southern twist because that's what it felt like to her. So, um, of course, I was completely honored that to even be slightly compared to that because the Junie B. Jones books have been so popular. But um, everyone, all the children that have read the book and they are biggest critics and biggest fans because they have just, you know, loved it and of course my family read it first and they just said this is so great and you know I'm thinking is it really or are they just telling me that <laughs> and so the more people um, you know children and adults that have given me feedback it's just been so great to hear just the positive feedback and especially you know it was meant to be funny but it was also meant to show the true you know value of friendship and family and I think that that it did that and that's what I continue I'll continue to to pass that sort of those lessons along in the in the next books book two tell us a little bit about it before we find out how to get your your first book sure uh book two um it will uh hopefully be released sometime in December and um the title not yet really come up I'm not positive on the title yet but basically the book is going to be about a it's a small town so everyone knows when a new you know new family comes in town moves into town so it's a new boy has come into town and uh, the basis is sort of that the new boy is in Bertie Mays you know goes to, to her her school obviously and her father Bertie Mays father owns one of the two grocery stores in town well the new boy's dad is going to have bought the other grocery store in town. So there's going to sort of be this um, little bit of, of this kind of rival between the parents, um, not, you know, not in any sort of bad way. It's going to end up being kind of a funny thing. And she is going to, you know, have a, a friendship with this boy and um so that's that's sort of where i'll leave it there the title of the book the life and times of birdie may hayes and we've been talking to the author jerry ann ag 
And Jerry Ann, uh, the first book is uh, subtitled Friends Forever, and your next one will be coming out, like you've just pointed out, in December. So right now, what's the best way, Jerry Ann, to get your book? Well, there's lots of ways. Um, you can go straight to my website, which is www.bertiemayhays.com. Um, you can go to Amazon and search on simply Bertie May or you know my my name. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's on AuthorHouse.com. So um, there's lots of ways, and I'm currently in the the process of setting up. Um, school visits, um, so whether it's book fairs or just being in the library, you know, talking to the children. And so my schedule is filling up there for this fall. Um, I will have those dates on my website soon. And if anyone, you know, of course, I would love to speak anywhere, um, anytime. So people can reach me at um, my email address is uh, birdiemayhays at gmail.com and that's for you know speaking engagements and book signings and that kind of thing thank you so much jerry ann for being with us on author talk well thank you so much for having me